Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Welcome to the Running Light Ministries Podcast number... <laughs> hundred and something. 126. <laughs> yeah, there it is. And my name's Bo. And I'm Peter. And we are going to talk to you guys a little off the cuff because we don't have much time. And um, we kind of just jumped into the studio today and thought, hey, let's kick something out. And there's always good stuff to talk about when it comes to sex and love and lust and yeah. porn and Bible stuff <laughs> and all kinds of things like that. Oh, yeah. So, um, and culture. And this is, you're going to read us something from our culture. Right. And so lay it on us. Yeah, it's interesting. So last week we talked uh, about the Supreme Court decision and how Roe versus Wade has the potential to be overturned. And we'll see how that goes due to a Mississippi law. <coughs> and so we, we talked a little bit about fatherhood and about how a lot of people, when they communicate about the pro-life versus pro-choice argument, men kind of get left out of the conversation. And me and Bo did our best to try to show how that is an example of chauvinism so the very the very amount of chauvinism that people talk about uh that they use to justify leaving men out of the conversation is itself an example of chauvinism because it enables selfish bigoted men to be free of their responsibilities as fathers uh, and that's really not great for our society and we see that yeah, so that one was on episode 125, Abortion in the Male. Yeah. That's what I could title awesome. that one. <laughs> so this one could be called Abortion in the Female <laughs> because uh, a, a woman named Elizabeth Spears, uh, a columnist at the New York Times, she wrote an opinion piece there last week that gives a very interesting view of motherhood. And so I wanted to go over it here. Now, in this article, she tries to make the argument that – Roe versus Wade ought not to be overturned because it is the best possible option for women who do not want to be pregnant. Uh, during the deliberations last week, Judge Amy Coney Barrett, who is the newest appointee to the Supreme Court, made the argument that, hey, we have sanctuary states, sanctuary cities within the United States. These are places where women who have an unwanted pregnancy can drive to and literally drop off their unwanted child and the state will take possession of the child and make sure that they are adopted into a, a family that will take care of them. In this article, this woman argues that adoption is more traumatic for the mother and the child than abortion. Uh, now, she never really gets around to the argument uh, for the child, why it's better for the child to be killed. But she does make a, a very strong argument for the mother. And this is very interesting because at the beginning of the article, she talks about how she herself was adopted into a loving home and later got in contact with her birth mother. And now all of them have a relationship. And she does mention that both her birth mother and her adopted mother are very much pro-life. Uh, and they point to her as a reason for why they're pro-life because the the birth mother's like yeah if i wouldn't if i would have aborted you i wouldn't have a relationship with you you'd be dead but she makes this really bizarre argument and she gets to the crux of it and i i want to read this because i i do believe it gets to the heart of how our society views womanhood today and especially motherhood uh and we'll talk about that later on but anyway this is quoting from the article if the court overturns Roe versus Wade, 
many women will be forced, now get that word, forced to give birth to children they did not want or did not feel that they could afford to support. While pregnant, they will undergo the bonding with a child that happens by biological design as an embryo develops into a living, breathing, conscious human. Now, she never does explain when, in her mind, the child becomes a conscious human. Yeah, there's already a lot to talk about right. just <laughs> in that opening a lot of A lot of interesting stuff. Let, let, me, let me finish this paragraph <laughs> real quick, though, and then we can start breaking down some of her interesting ideas. So she says that, and then she says, and then a child will be taken away. The right likes to suggest that abortion is a traumatic experience for women, a last resort, a painful memory. But adoption is often just as traumatic as the right thinks abortion is, if not more so. As a woman has to relinquish not a lump of cells, but a fully formed baby she has to live with for nine months. Now, notice how she describes what pregnancy is like. <laughs> now, get this. Yeah. This is just so interesting. This is one of the paradoxes of pregnancy. Something alien is usurping your body and sapping you of nutrition and energy, but you're programmed to gleefully enable it and you become desperately protective of it. It's a kind of biological brainwashing, and this often happens whether you want it or not. So that's her view of motherhood, that wow. your body gets hijacked by an alien force and you're brainwashed to like it. So it's almost like she's depicting like a, a Helsinki syndrome, like a Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, and the problem with this logic and is that it it's contradictory to itself. Right. Right? She says, well, if your brain's hijacked to, to think a certain way and to act a certain way, then why would you be upset at the biology that is... How would you even know right. that the biology is hijacking your? If does that make sense? Yeah. If it's doing it, right, and that's been going on forever, where someone's biology is to, you know, force you to uh, like your child in the womb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. if it's forcing you to do it, that would be like me saying my body's forcing me to like Krispy Kreme donuts. You know, <laughs> right. it's just, I didn't give permission to my taste buds to enjoy the flavor of the donut. So it's forcing it upon me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like getting kind of pissed off. Right. At you. Man, why do I taste things? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like the craziest thing. So she is a mother and I, I got a feel for her kid who will probably I, she said he's sick so he could read this article <laughs> and read about how his mom views her relationship with him i got a feel for the kid a little bit but at any rate when she talks about this she is taking one of the most beautiful aspects of women being able to bear children which is the ability for a woman to bond deeply and intimately with her child before they're born it would be like I, I don't, I'm thinking of examples of this, but it, it's kind of this might be a crude one, but it's kind of like a person who you know a male who looks at a female or looks at someone attractive that they find attractive, and they get an erection. Right. And it's biological brainwashing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. My darn body. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, this body's crazy. <laughs> and then getting mad at the woman. For doing that to you, like getting pissed off, like you're so beautiful 
that you biologically brainwashed me <laughs> to be sexually attracted to you. And that's kind of what's happening with this woman. She's getting upset at her unborn child for quote unquote forcing her her body to, for, yeah forcing her which is forcing like, her mind forcing her mind to like the baby that she's describing as an alien force sapping it her of her nutrition yeah so. if it's for i still can't get over the logic that if it's forcing your body to like the child then how can you even have the understanding of not liking the child <laughs> you know that's right like is there is, like if it's something that naturally biologically happens then is there an example of someone who doesn't right you know who who wouldn't be attached to her child as she's developing the child yeah now, now interestingly th i mean there's so many <laughs> there's so many logical fallacies in this it, it's kind of crazy but the one of the big ones is the idea that a lot of abortions happen once the child is sentient they're conscious they're kicking they're moving you feel them yeah uh, they're happening in the second it's trimester. not it's not just a lump of cells she uses right. that quote lump of cells right and i like what some people say it's like well we're all lump of cells some <laughs> of us are lumpier than others you know we're just we're just a more developed lump of cells than an unborn child that's that's it <laughs> yeah so but she she does use some pretty interesting words right you know to describe um uh, uh, a child that is in in the womb right alien right um which i don't is alien the right word to use when a woman's body a female's body is right. biologically constructed right to hold a zygote and and you know and and it grows right and that's that's the main thing that's so interesting about these arguments and i i want to point it out because i think a lot of people miss it and they miss it and they don't see that by engaging with this type of language they are affirming the other side so a lot of the examples that are utilized to justify abortion are used of like for you you heard it in the beginning you're forcing a woman to stay pregnant uh, some of the examples that they'll use as counter arguments is like, would you force somebody to provide medical aid to a stranger if an accident happened? Something like that. And what they're doing is they're taking this idea that pregnancy, and this is important, pregnancy is not natural. Now that's so weird, but that's the framework. That's the mentality that's being brought in. And that's why I wanted to read it to you. And I'm glad you picked up on it, that that's like her argument that it's, this is an unnatural, alien, foreign thing that's happening, totally ignoring biology that your body was literally meant to do this. Yeah. And you're getting mad that people are, quote unquote, forcing you to do it. That would be, again, like someone saying someone who's bulimic, who throws up after meals and someone says, hey, you shouldn't do that. And they say, you're going to force me to carry this burger. You're going to force me to digest it. You know, how dare you? You know, this is bodily autonomy. It, it would sound so ridiculous yeah. because you recognize that's what your body is supposed to do. Like, that's the natural function of what's going on. Yeah. It, it's so contrary to biology. Right. What she, the way she's wording this. Programmed. She uses that term. We're being, pr we're like, you know, programmed you know, uh, lump of cells, alien, we're forced. Right. Um, 
No, no one forced your body. No one forced anything on your body. Right. <laughs> Where does she get that? <laughs> right. <laughs> no one forces semen to come out of someone's penis. Right. You know? Um, that is something that biologically happens. And it's it's kind of crazy because I noticed this language showing up uh, a couple years ago in regards to the transgender issue. And I just never really was able to understand it until I read this. I was like, oh, like it clicked. Because people were talking about a couple years ago, the conversation started of giving children puberty blockers to prevent them from going through puberty. Uh, and the idea is you're going to force them to go through puberty. And it was such a weird, I was like, wait, what? Like, you can't, you're talking about something natural. You're talking about something that the body naturally does. What do you mean force? It's not like some scientist is holding this kid down and forcing them. In fact, when you take a pill, that pill is forcing your body not to go through it. And the same thing with abortion. You're forcing the body to not do what it's intended to do. And you're killing someone else in the process. So they're, they're framing it in the idea of what I want to do is the natural. And whatever else is happening, regardless if it's a product of naturalism, is unnatural. Yeah, which is so odd. Right. And, and, and again, this is this is where we're at in the culture. Right. Is that, you know, you you say you're a progressive, but you're not really for really the progressive ideas anymore. Right. You're actually for some other idea, but you've still labeled it, you know, progressive. Mm. And, uh, you know, you know, and this happens all in, in very all kinds everywhere. You know, hey, you know, Hitler said he was a Christian at one point. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, nothing really Christian about wiping out millions of people. Right. <laughs> you know, but yet he, you know, towed that line. And um, um, here you have people that say that they're, um, you know, for naturalism. Right. And humanism. Humanism. Right. And yet what you're saying isn't very really pro-natural ism right <laughs> it's actually pro um forcing harm on something that is naturally going on <laughs> in your body it's actually pro like scientism yeah so what you have is you know i, I like mary shelley's frankenstein yeah is like the the granddaddy of all the modern sci-fi classics yeah. and in that book there's a lo lot to it but the idea there was the fear that man's scientific prowess would become something unnatural, that man would start organizing and actually engineering the human experience apart from the natural, right? And, that all, and the ultimate example in Frankenstein is giving life to someone unnaturally through scientific means as opposed to natural means. And it was, it was considered an abomination. So that was the fear, that was the horror. Nowadays, it's like I feel like people today would have to watch Frankenstein and see Frankenstein as the hero. Right? He's like he's the hero that is undoing naturalism, like he's undoing naturalism to provide through science or through scientific advancements to do whatever he wants to the body. Mm. And in C.S. Lewis's very fantastic book, The Abolition of Man, he was afraid. Th the reason why he titled the book that is because he felt that man's scientific endeavors would destroy what it means to be a human. Uh, because we're no, in other words, he said, if we're engineering ourselves, then we're no longer men because men or mankind are developed through nature. Like we identify them through natural processes and through certain character qualities. He's like, if we're engineering ourselves, 
we you could call us whatever you want but he's like we're not men anymore though we're not mankind and his interesting sci-fi weird theory 60 years ago is now reality for us like that's the world we're living in where it is the abolition of man where people are seeing the most natural process in the world and that is bearing children because without that process we're all dead right they're seeing the most natural process in the world as unnatural and even bad even a little bit evil if you take her language very seriously yeah um yeah i just i just was thinking that you know and what what you're quoting with c.s lewis and the abolition of man I was reading uh, Marcus Aurelius and some of the meditations and, and, you know, as a stoic, he was really uh, into this idea that we're kind of, uh, you know, we're just elements and, you know, and and we're just a part of the 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 big, you know, a a part of something much bigger. Right. And, um, you know, our elements might uh, might uh, transition you know, from this state to the next, but, you know, he says, why be afraid of that? You know, you're still just elements, right? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and he, 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 but he sees us in the, like the collective, right? You know, this, that we're part of the collective and of elements and, you know, and, and it's, and it seems very natural. It seems like in stoicism, that's, this is a very natural kind of uh, philosophy that just stems from observable science right. that we're just a part of the living beings out there and whatever's constructed in our bodies and how our body bodies function it's all part of the naturalistic world right and we are a part of that right. and, and it just seems like the way she's talking like goes against thousands of years of right. philosophy right. it's like and, and human history, and human like history. Any, any amount of wisdom, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like any <laughs> amount of thinking, like right. anybody just would be like, "Whoa!" Like yeah. what you're talking about, aliens right. and <laughs> force. Oh, you know, you're being forced, and you know. So, so the crux of her thing is is obviously uh, political. Right. Um, so, because uh, she's making no sense, uh, you know, biologically, right. Um, so she's obviously pushing a, a political thing, and she's trying to structure her 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 story, uh, her article to kind of fit a position politically. Right. Um, um, but she's saying that abortion uh, abortion is not as traumatic as an adoption. Right. And um, do you want to read more of it? No, I, I think that kind of just sums <laughs> up her main point because it's, it's very short and, and that's essentially what she's saying. But but again, think think about that for a second. You know, when I, I just wrote a book about trauma and when it comes to traumatic experiences, a traumatic experience is when something happens to you that is very distant from what ought to happen to you. So, for instance, we don't take things simply because they're painful as being traumatic so if someone goes through a childbirth right childbirth is one of the more painful experiences you could go through you're not going to have ptsd because that's a natural occurrence or even like someone going through very painful things with their body uh even going through aging processes that's not traumatic because that's normal we only assign trauma to something when it is distinct from the normal 
and the distance between what ought to happen and what did happen as that distance grows the trauma grows with it so for instance sex is a natural thing but when it's forced upon you then it becomes traumatic because that's not how it ought to be happening inside your life now interestingly here she's taking abortion which is a stopping of the natural process someone going in and violently taking something at killing a life taking a life and stopping the natural process of your body and by the way your body has to figure that out right so if a woman goes through an abortion your body's not prepared for that because it's amping up hormones it's amping up like your your hips are widening all these things are happening biologically to you when you get pregnant and when you just stop being pregnant your body that freaks out a little bit this even happened to myself and my wife when we miscarried you know because that's what happened something unnatural happened the the baby died as opposed to her body being able to carry the baby to term and her hormones freaked out like her body went through a huge traumatic thing because that's unnatural but here and this is the crazy thing she's taking it as no it's more traumatic to let your body do what it's supposed to do and then because of your financial situation to give the baby up than it would be to have someone interfere with the natural process and literally destroy a life that would be less traumatic for you yeah and and you know when you it, it sounds like an absolute almost statement right? right like speaking in absolutes right you know it's much more traumatic well the question is is how much more right like what are you measuring this against right like what do you mean like by this right like how many people have been adopted in the planet right you know i i mean obviously we know yeah, we know for a fact mm -hmm. like we we have we we definitely know for a fact that we can't interview someone that's been aborted right <laughs> you can't you can't <laughs> how was that experience for you <laughs> of being killed yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so we know scientifically, <laughs> I think, very good evidence. Uh, it's definitely testable, repeatable, and verifiable. But what we know about humans is that they don't seem to want to die. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so we seem to not want that to happen. You're right. And uh, it definitely goes against our, our biology. Now, there's an interesting part in the article, too, where she talks about meeting her biological sister. And she talks about the trauma with her biological sister because her sister was able to bond with her while she was in the womb. And she was like, so I knew you, I had a relationship with you, and then you were gone and I didn't know where you were. So I had like this, this cosmic longing for something that I wasn't really sure of. Well, it's like, yeah, that happened, but wouldn't it have been worse if you were killed and then she would never be able to see you again? Like when that longing, like logically, wouldn't it be worse? Yeah. If, if you were just totally taken away? Well, again, when you speak in absolutes, like, you know, hey, it's more traumatic to be adopted than to be aborted. Again, you, you can't talk in that way because you can't interview someone who's aborted. Right. And you certainly can interview people that are not aborted and that have been adopted. But then it's going to be based on, of of course, they're a, a subjective opinion. Right. Some people have have had really good experiences in adoption, and they're going to say, "I thought it, I think it was good." Mm -hmm. And other people are going to say, "Well, I don't I don't think that was a really good you know situation for me." Or you know, you, mothers. Even if you interview mothers, you're going to have a varying, a wide range of opinion. Yeah. On what was considered traumatic to them or not. 
Yeah. And, and, and what they are measuring that feeling of trauma based on. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, was it a 10? Was it a 2? You know, the kind of trauma that you were going through compared to what? Right. Uh, again, but you, it's all one-sided. You can't, you know, to say like, oh, you know, the aborting a child was less traumatic. Right. Traumatic to who? Right. You know? Yeah, um, not to the child. <laughs> yeah. And you would never know because you can't do the other way, right? If you abort, yeah. you can't adopt. So uh, it, it is, you're right. It is very subjective and weird. Um, but one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because it's in your book, it's in yeah. your first book, Porn a Pastor, uh -huh. you make a very unpopular and sexist claim in there <laughs> I that I want to confront you about. Huh? Yes. Where you talk about the idea of a woman's role in society being destroyed in our current culture. Yeah. And you do point to the idea of what makes a woman special, that she is a womb. And, man... How could you write something so so bad, <laughs> so misogynistic? I know. Well, you know, I didn't. I don't think of myself as a deep thinker, <laughs> but uh, but I just kind of looked at the obvious. Yeah. That you know, uh, over over the millennials of years, you know, that humans have been doing this thing called reproduction. Right. You know, my thought was that if you take away from a society that which is most valuable mm. um, in a in in a biological way mm. in humans if you take about take away the value of that then what are you left with mm. and that was something that really hit me when i was writing that section of the book right. is that has our society just taken something that has been very important all throughout history and uh of of for females mm. and has just really stripped females of this biology of of being stoked that they have a womb mm -hmm. and the the uh, ramifications for having a womb and really what has it done um the stripping away of that value in the society and so um i kind of see that in really seeking to become more valuable mm -hmm. by becoming again more like a man even though they want to be, uh, you know, special, they succumb to this patriarchy once again that right. we've spoken of again. So right. where they, they, they once again, females go, who do, who do they want to be like? Men, men, right. you know, they want to, in a sense, de-womb themselves. Right. And when you de-womb yourself, now you're becoming like a biological male. Right. Who does not Without have a womb. womb. Right. And so we don't have a womb. And so we are just man. Right. But a woman is a womb man. Right. She's a man with a womb. Right. And so now you have a society that has male male right. in a sense. And what has that done to the society? Right. Um, well, it's created a lot of problems. Right. And, um, and kind of that's what I thought about when I was writing that. But. And it is it is very interesting when you look at the male female happiness levels. They they test these every now and then. Mm -hmm. And the idea was is that male and female happiness was pretty on par uh, before the feminist and the sexual revolutions. They were pretty much identical. Uh, once the feminist revolution started going, then they became a little bit more striated, where male happiness was greater than female happiness. But the idea of the feminists were, well, we're just bringing issues to the surface and women are having to confront their oppression. And so, of course, they're going to be more unhappy. But the idea was, if we win, 
female happiness will exceed that of male happiness. Since the feminist revolution, women's happiness has plummeted. It may, men are way more happy than women now. Like the, the, the differences are stark. Like they're not even close anymore. Mm -hmm. And it seems like, you know, what you're hitting at there is if we're biologically created and engineered in a particular way to take one of the most important and foundational aspects of your being and you just rip it from yourself, how can you do that without damaging something in you? Um, and this, this is not like a, I mean, I'm not saying that women are like getting at all their uteruses taken out or something like that, but I'm saying to deny the gravity, the importance and the, and the glory of being able to have a womb. Yeah, the natural body. The natural body and to say, I don't want that. I'd rather be a man, right? I'd rather live my life like a male and never bear a child. And if by some unfortunate accident on my part, I get pregnant anyway, I want someone to come into my womb and take it out because I don't want to be a womb for that child. I don't want my womb to, to do its natural function. That's really radical and kind of crazy. Yeah, there's a ramification for any biological species mm. that goes against its very purpose for existing. Right. And I know that sounds sexist in our world, mm. but there's a reason why there are female monkeys. Right. And there's a reason why there's female birds. Right. And there, there always is going to be a consequence to go against the natural. Even in the species world, in I mean, in the animal world, the animal kingdom, mm. if it, there's a interesting, weird, you know, mutated uh, bird that cannot produce mm. um, according to its biology, then it doesn't produce something better. Right. It always dies. It's a defect. It's a defect. Yeah. Something happens wrong. And when you want to see this just on display, just go to the zoo. You know, compare the animals in the zoo to animals that you find in nature. They don't look happy in the zoo. Why? Because you've taken away their purpose. They're not hunting. They're not gathering. They're not procreating. They've been a lot. Most of them have been spayed and neutered, so they can't procreate. They can't raise children. And the fire, like the 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 will, the the drive that is usually in those animals is gone. You know, like me and me, you know, we love going to the zoo, but it's so you go to the zoo and they're just, they're just sleeping all the time. You yeah. know, the animals just they're have just nothing. Bummed. They're just super bummed, which like makes you feel bad going to the zoo. Yeah, I'm paying to, <laughs> to contribute to this. <laughs> I'm contributing to this poor animal's suffering. But it's a great, it's, that's a great kind of analogy to this because, yeah. you know, there's, there's anti-zoo people. And right. the reason why is because they would say it's not natural. Right. Well, why are you saying it's not natural? Hmm. You know, why are you saying it's not natural? Well, isn't it natural for them to be out in the woods? You're, that's what you're saying. Right. It's more natural for them to be in their biological, um, naturalistic environments, right. bearing kids and finding mates and doing what they do. Right. And to deny them of the natural is wrong. Right. You would say that. Right. Well, to deny you a human of the natural, is that wrong? Right. You know, and people will say, no, 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 no. You know, no, it's not. You know, for us having babies, you know, you know, we can get rid of that baby. Well, you are, but you're getting rid of the natural. Right. That is the natural. That's what we're doing. Right. 
you know and and that's why again that that analogy does does work because it's the idea of man something with a higher intellect messing with the natural for their own means and their own ends and that's why the the people who are animal lovers are like that's wrong that's evil well why is it evil for us to do it to another animal but it's not evil for us to do it to ourselves mm-hmm. you know do, does man not have more worth than the animal and if so then isn't it more atrocious that we mess with our own naturalistic functionality as opposed to the naturalistic functionality of an animal yeah i think the uh, the better argument she were she were to make I- if she wants to go you know the the naturalistic route and she right. really wants to to be consistent with um, doing what's natural to biology is if she has a child to abort the child, af- I mean, not abort, but kill the child after it's born. Right. I think that would have been more consistent. Right. Meaning, you know, because animals do have offspring and they'll kill their offspring. Right. You know, for um, various reasons. For yeah. various reasons. Sometimes even for food. Right. And so. Um, if she said, hey, I believe it's more natural for us to just have babies and then kill them. Right. You know, at least that's more animalistic, natural. But obviously she's trying to, um, it sounds like, live in a naturalistic philosophy, but yet she's not, but yet she has this kind of morality um, that she's trying to tow as well. Right. And and you can't really have one or the other. You got to gotta take your pick right. here. And it's, you know. it's, it's very disturbing to me on two levels. The first one is, like we've been talking about, the devaluing of women in our society. Yeah. That, that this is seen, it's seen as a glorification of women, but you have to see it for what it is. It's a destruction of women. It's an annihilation of women and what makes women so precious. Yeah. When you go through the Bible, y- they didn't feel like, the biblical authors never had to defend these points when they made them. Uh, you know, Paul in First Timothy 2 talking about women being saved through childbirth or in First Corinthians chapter 11 talking about a woman's value as all men have to come from women. Um, you, you have this idea in the Bible that a woman's ability to bear children is a great gift that God has given them. It's an amazing glory. And again, none of the biblical authors felt the need to defend that because they just assumed everyone knows this, right? It's just like it's totally natural. How could you not see this as being something glorious that God has given them? And he actually even makes that argument to chauvinists of like, well, if men are really better, why has God given them this particular glorious purpose yeah. of gestating life and producing yeah, it? Yeah, men don't get too cocky because you come from women. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly correct. That's his argument. And even in the early feminist mm-hmm. movement, uh, there were multiple feminists. Uh, I'm kind of blank on her name, but I think one was Simone de Beauvoir. And she was talking about how they wanted women to be able to compete with men. And her argument was, we need to sterilize women. And people are like, why do we need to sterilize women? And she said, well, because if a woman has the opportunity to be a mother, there is no amount of success that will pull her away from that. Right. That was her argument. She didn't believe it was possible (laughs) to actually get women to believe that we don't want to have kids of their own volition. Yeah, and, and wait, say that last statement. She didn't think it was uh, it was possible to convince women en masse that they don't want to have children. She didn't think that was possible. She thought that they had to force that lifestyle upon them. And now we're in this world which she didn't think could happen, where the majority of women don't look at motherhood as being awesome. 
even if they want to, and again, there's nothing wrong with this. You know, my mom worked uh, when I was a kid, but even if they have kids, the idea is like eh, being a mother, you know, being a homemaker. That's like, do I really want to do this? You know, isn't that a waste? You know, like what, what am I doing with my life? You know, and it feels draining. A lot of women talk about feeling drained as mothers um, and feeling like I, I want to work. I want to give my child to a nanny. And again, there's nothing wrong with that inherently, but there is something really weird in our culture where a lot of women are saying that. Right. Usually the women who wanted to work were looked at as the outliers. It's like, hey, it's great, but you're like you're you're odd. You're an oddity. Now the woman who's like, I want to stay at home and I like doing this. That's the weird woman. <laughs> you know, That's the strange woman. And, and this is a, and this is interesting. Is that you would think in a patriarchal world that, you know, Robert Jensen and all these people that we, you know, look at that talk about the patriarchy structure being the problem. Mm -hmm. You think that in a heavy patriarchy, you would have a system that would set up to be against right. women having children. Right. It would be it's exactly what I would expect. It would be a, a male dominant, you know, like being a male is the best. Right. And the more women are like men the better. Yeah. You know, that's what you would kind of think. Yeah. It's patriarchal. And it in fact, you know, you go through history, that's exactly what the patriarchal systems did. So with your wife, you would just have her as a companion, but you would usually get a concubine or a, a maid or a slave, and she would bear your children. So, like, it was just this oppression of women. I'm going to use you for your womb, essentially. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then my wife will have more dignity. So that w is exactly what you would expect in patriarchal stuff. Yeah, and, and they and they yeah they they used women, certain women, for their wombs, right. and then they used their wives for, you know, to be like a a trophy wife or right. something. Um, that's what the rich did anyway. Right. But, you know, but it's interesting that now that that now that there is more of an equal footing, and as things get more of equal. In the power structure right. becomes more uh, balanced between male and female. Mm. You would think that the uh, a more uh, matriarchal uh, kind of view would be: let's really promote mm. the wonderful wombs and naturalism and differences that we have right. as women, and let's let's make law that benefits motherhood. Right. Let's make it so. People that are poor, that have children, that are pregnant, th we give them uh, extra money so they can bear children and and take care of their children because we are really promoting right. a women. Right. And, and what makes a woman different from a male, a male, female, is their womb. Right. And we're doing the opposite. And, and that's, yeah. what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that making sense? It does. You know, like this year alone, uh, the current president uh, presidency, they have given checks to women like we get it. We're thankful for it. But, you know, I hate what it's for. We get three hundred dollars every month so that we can send our kid to child care. Like that's what it's for. So in other words, they're encouraging women. They're giving money to women saying, don't take care of your kids. We don't want you to raise your kids. We want we want to raise your kids. The state wants to be their mother. Oh, that's interesting. And not only that. That's you'll probably like this because this is your home state, man. This is where you're born and bred. California has declared themselves a sanctuary state for abortion, a, a preemptive strike against uh, Roe versus Wade being overturned, possibly. And what that means is that they will pay you to come to their state to abort your child. So if you're out of state and you live in Texas or whatever and you can't have an abortion, they will cover your hotel. 
they will cover the abortion procedure and they may even give you like a little bit of money to come there specifically to abort your child and they're giving money to doctors to work in abortion facilities they're giving them extra money to work in abortion facilities so it that like you said it's the exact opposite we're not giving money the government's not giving money to help mothers and supporting motherhood we're giving money for the opposite to destroy motherhood yeah and that's weird right because you would think a patriarchal structure would be one that would definitely destroy motherhood right because uh, it's patriarchal right you know and you would think a matriarchal one would be one to very much promote uh, a woman having children and really before right. the having of children right because that is the naturalistic way and that's what you see in, in matriarchal cultures right so there are have been some throughout time more rare but they're there they actually the reason why the women rule is because they bear children right so that's the idea why should women rule because without them our society collapses and dies yeah. so the matriarchy is upheld in the idea of from their wombs come all of us yeah. and you know even in christianity that's why mary was so lauded because from her comes the messiah life comes into the world through the legs of a woman right not a man right joseph doesn't contribute yeah and this is interesting because if 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 you have an argument against the patriarchy then you might have a problem here right because if your argument is against the patriarchy over the last 6000 or so years well, there's one thing that the patriarchy has done in the past. They have definitely seen the value of a womb. Mm -hmm. Now, they might not have treated women properly, right. how they should ought to be treated, but they sh certainly have respected the idea of a woman being able to bear children right. and that that was of utter importance. Right. And so they saw the value of that. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's weird that such a patriarchal culture, whether uh, Mesopotamian culture, uh, early European cultures, uh, even Aztec culture, you know, you think highly patriarchal societies, but yet they very much value their their moms. Right. You know, they value moms. And that was important. And it would be weird to see that a non that moving away from patriarchy right that we think we are <laughs> that we think we yeah, yeah. but we're really damn maybe we're taking away the one thing the patriarchy got right <laughs> you know like <laughs> we're we're fully denigrating women yes uh, and that's the danger and you know this is women uh are under assault and they don't even know it this is the crazy thing even with the transgender movement you know that just this week there's a, a man, a, a biological man, who is now identifying as a woman, crushed all the females, wiped him off the board uh, in, in swimming. Just, like, crushed all the times, annihilated them. So all these women that worked super hard, trained, swam, beat their peers, all their times that have, that have been these records Done. have been crushed. And now who's on top? A man, right? So because of what we're doing as a culture... We think we're uplifting women, but we're crushing them. And I think it's so interesting. This, this is the last point I wanted to ask you about. So in, in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, which we're going through on Wednesdays, there's an interesting statement where Satan attacks the mother, right? You see this really interesting moment where the mother, clearly denoting either Israel or uh, Mary herself, is giving birth to the Messiah, and 
Satan doesn't attack the son. He attacks the woman. Like he goes to war with the woman. And there's other interesting passages in Daniel chapter 11 where it talks about the Antichrist as someone who doesn't regard women. Like, what do you think about that and, and what's going on? You know, I, I find that it, there we could do a whole podcast on that because right. I have thought more about that book of Daniel passage that he's not a regarder of women right. over the last two years than I ever have. Right. And I've just been like, this is so weird what, what our culture's doing, the paradoxes right. of patriarchy and um, how our system is saying, you know, we're for... Uh, women, but yet, like we're talking about, seems to be an utter undermining of women, right. and 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 through the tran- transgender world too, that's happening in our culture. You get to see uh, the scripture, and you start going, "I wonder what <laughs> this is saying." Right? <laughs> you know what? What is what is going on here? So maybe we should dedicate a podcast. Yeah, maybe next week we'll do it because we're out of time. But yeah, maybe next week that'll be our. Top. Yeah, a lot of a lot of weird paradoxical stuff taking place. So hey, thanks for listening. You guys take care, okay? Bye-bye. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36:8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.